0: Hello and welcome to Mr. President from OTRGold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: Duty determines destiny. Starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. (laughs) Mr. President at home in the White House. The elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of... Mr. President.
0: Before we bring you today's performance of Mr. President, let's get a little philosophical on the subject of character in our presidents. You know, all American boys grow up with the idea that they might be president someday, and why not? Our presidents have come from every environment, rich and aristocratic like Washington... Poor, self educated like Lincoln. They've been lawyers and farmers, warriors and school teachers. Teddy Roosevelt was bluff and hearty. Wilson was a quiet, scholarly type. But what one quality did they have that made them presidential material? Personality? Yes, they were all men who captured the public imagination. A sense of responsibility? Well, certainly in time of emergency, the country needed a man who could step in and assume leadership. And now let's learn more about it by listening to today's story of Mr. President. See if you can name the president on whom this incident is based.
1: Here's a story that happened a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the story is about. The Republican National Convention met in Chicago. The gentleman whose story you are about to hear had come to support the candidacy of John Sherman, but when he got to the convention, he found that his own name was being spoken of as a preferable candidate. He stood outside the convention hall talking to his wife.
2: You must go back in, my dear.
1: Uh, Yes, I know. It's such an uncomfortable position to be placed in. Of course it is.
2: Are things really in a complete deadlock?
1: Yes, the votes are divided up between almost a dozen candidates. What they want is a dark horse.
2: What they want
1: is you. It's a big thing to turn down a chance to run for president of the United States.
2: Well, dear, I know you'll do whatever's right.
1: Well, I have to make a move. I can't remain silent any longer. This movement on my behalf is completely spontaneous as far as I know. I certainly never... Endorsed it or encouraged it. Well,
2: I'm sure that everyone knows that. Well, I'm going on home now. You better go in. You don't want to miss the roll call.
1: I'm going to interrupt that roll call if it's started. It. I'm going to tell the convention exactly where I stand.
2: Goodbye, dear. I'll see you at dinner.
1: Well, have you... Haven't you any curiosity about where I stand?
2: Well, I know exactly where you stand. I haven't been your wife all these years for nothing.
1: Oh, bless your heart. I know you haven't. I'll see you at dinner. I'll get in there and make my speech. Mr. President Mr. President and gentlemen of the convention I am here as one of the chosen representatives of my state I'm here by resolution of the Republican State Convention passed without a single dissenting voice, commanding me to cast my vote for John Sherman for president, and to use every worthy endeavor for his nomination. I accepted the trust because my heart and judgment were in accord with the letter and spirit and purpose of that resolution. It has pleased certain delegates to cast their votes for me for president.
3: Yeah. I am.
1: I am not insensible of the honor they would do me, but in the presence of the duty resting upon me, I cannot remain silent with honor. I cannot consistently, with the wish of the state whose credentials I bear and which has trusted me, I cannot, with honorable fidelity to John Sherman, who has trusted me in his cause and with his confidence, I cannot consistently, with my own views of personal integrity, consent or seem to consent, to permit my name to be used as a candidate before this convention. I would not respect myself if I could find it in my heart to do so or permit to be done that which could even be ground for anyone to suspect that I wavered in my loyalty to Ohio or to my devotion to the chief of her choice and the chief of mine. I do not request, I demand that no delegate who would not cast a reflection upon me shall cast a ballot for me.
2: My dear, that was Mr. Hannah at the door. I put him in the library. He asked a few moments of your time.
1: Mark Hannah? Yes. Well, that's strange. I wonder what he wants. Well, there's only one way to find out. Excuse me, my dear. Of course.
4: Good evening, Mr. Hanna. Forgive me for stopping by like this without sending you any word. But frankly, I was so anxious to see you, I just couldn't wait.
1: Don't you sit down, Mr. Hannah? Thank you.
4: You and I have never had much of a chance to get acquainted
1: Oh, that's right, although I do seem
4: to recall that we've had a difference now and then in certain political issues. <laughs> I'm here tonight because I've ad- I've never admired a man so much in my life as I admired you when you made that speech today.
1: Well, thank you, but as a Sherman man yourself, you're bound to be prejudiced. Sherman isn't going to be president.
4: I hoped he was. I've hoped for a long time to see an Ohio man president of the United States, but he isn't going to be president. I think you are.
1: Mr. Hanna, I meant what I said today.
4: I am as sure of that as I have ever been sure of anything in my entire life. Oh, you
1: are not going to be president this election. I didn't mean that. But I believe you are going to be president. Mm, You're a powerful man in the party, Mr. Hanna. Such an observation from you is very flattering. I admire loyalty in any man. I admire
4: integrity and honesty even more. The party needs a man like you. And more than the party, the country needs you. I've been hunting for a man like you as long as I've been in politics. That's what I came here tonight to tell you. And to tell you, too, that I'm going to devote every resource at my command towards obtaining the presidency for you.
1: Mr. Hanna, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for those very gracious, very generous words. I won't deny that I would like to be president, what man wouldn't. But tell me, if I accept your help, What do you ask in return? Your friendship.
4: Nothing more. I hope you believe that.
1: I do believe it. Here's my hand on it, Mr. Hanna.
4: And here's mine, Mr. President. Where do we begin? We begin with a campaign for the office of Governor of the State of Ohio.
1: My dear, don't you intend to get any sleep at all?
2: I just can't sleep. And I'm sure I don't know how you can sleep. Just think, in a few hours, you're going to take the oath of office as governor of the state of Ohio. Can you realize it?
1: After that grueling campaign Mark Hanna put me through, I can certainly realize it. You know, if it were up to you and Mark Hanna, I'd never get any sleep. (laughs) But you you must get some rest. The way you've been feeling... Oh, I
2: feel much better this week. Really, I do. Please don't worry about me.
1: Uh, who on earth is that at this hour? What time is it, anyway?
2: Uh, four in the morning. Oh, my. Maybe it's a telegram.
1: Uh, all right, I'm coming. I'm coming. Hello, it's me. I can't uh, sleep. <laughs> I might have known. Come on in, Mark. Come on in. Oh, dear, here's someone else that can't sleep.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you came over, Mark. There's no use even trying to sleep.
1: I
4: can certainly see that. What's the matter with you? Aren't you excited? You're going to be governor in a few
1: hours. Yes, and I'm going to be a confoundedly sleepy one.
4: You know, if many people saw you at this hour of the day, you'd never get elected for anything. Come on now, let's see that campaign smile.
1: <laughs> That's better.
2: <laughs> I'll go in the kitchen and make coffee. Good
1: for you. We'll come along and watch. Come along, governor. You know, you people don't seem to realize that I've been through a long, hard campaign. You think this was hard? Wait until your
4: presidential campaign. You're just starting. <laughs>
1: Oh, look,
4: it's getting light. Yes. It's the dawn of your day, Governor. The dawn of your day. Mark! John, what are you doing in New York?
1: I left you in charge of the office. The Governor's in trouble, Mark. I learned about it a few days ago, and I thought I'd better come and tell you about it myself. I just left your hotel. They told me I could catch you if I heard. What's happened? Well, it seems as though some time ago, the governor endorsed a pretty sizable note for a friend, a fellow named Walker, Robert L. Walker. Well, anyhow, the sum and substance of the whole thing is that Walker just went into bankruptcy. How much? I couldn't find that out, but I gather it's a big amount. The governor's got to pay off the whole sum or he'll be ruined.
4: Pack my bag. Check me out of the hotel, will you, John? Where are you going? To the depot. I'm taking the first train back to Ohio. <laughs>
1: i sorry I couldn't get out of bed to receive you, Governor, but when the news came, I... I well, it was quite a shock. Yes, yes, I, I talked to your doctor. Tell me, what happened, Bob? I did my best to keep things above water. You, you can look at the books. It's all written down in the books. I, I can't tell you how bitterly I regret having asked you to go on that note for me. Well, Bob, I was glad to do it. After all, you did the same thing for me once upon a time when I needed it. Of course the bad part of the situation is that I, I don't have anywhere near the sum we're obligated to pay. If there was only something we could do. I kept borrowing more money because I thought the, the tide had to turn. I've always had a sound head for business. Of course you have. Well, Bob, these things happen to the best of us. The, the main thing is to get you back on your feet. Oh, have courage. There are better days coming. Now, I'm not going to talk to you any longer. You need all the rest you can get. So. Goodbye, Bob. Goodbye, Governor. You know how sorry I am. I know. Of course I know.
2: Darling, aren't you coming down to dinner at all?
1: Oh, I'm afraid I haven't much appetite. I've been sitting here going over and over the whole thing in my mind, trying to think what to do.
2: Have you reached a decision?
1: Yes, I have. I'm going to give up all thought of the presidency. I'm going to resign the office of governor. I'm going back to my law practice and work until I pay back every cent of this debt.
2: Oh, my dear. There's
1: nothing else I can do. All my life I've tried to keep free of any obligations I couldn't meet. And now at this period of my life to have this happen, Of course, it's my own fault for signing the note. First, when I signed, I insisted that it be for no more than I could pay if anything did happen. But then when Bob came to me and said he needed further endorsement, I gave it to him. I had no reason to think anything like this would happen.
2: What is the extent of the obligation? $130,000.
1: $130,000?
2: Uh... And you're going to pay that back? If it takes
1: me to my dying day, I'll pay it back.
2: Well, please come and try to eat a little dinner. You need your strength. I'll go. Thank you. Mark.
4: Good evening. How's
1: the governor's lady?
2: Oh, it's good to see you, Mark.
1: Oh, Mark, uh, I'm going to resign from, from office. What did you say? I'm more grateful to you than I can ever tell you for all you've done for me, but as a man of honor and integrity, there is nothing else I can do. How much money do you need? $130,000. I'm going back to my law practice and pay every cent of it back.
4: You're not going back to your law practice. You're not going back anyplace. You're going forward. You're going to be president. I'm going to pay back that money. Of course you are. Have you any idea what's going on right now, Governor? Governor? Right this minute, some 30 of your friends are meeting over at Myron Herrick's house. They're meeting for one purpose, to help you get this money together. To what? Mark. We're going to get the money. It's going to be paid back. And you're going to be president. You're going to get the get the money?
1: Where on earth would you get a sum like that?
4: Governor, there are a lot of men in this country with as much faith in you as I have. We'll get the money.
2: Mark. I just inherited an estate from my father. It isn't anywhere near what you need, but it will help. No,
4: my dear, this is my debt.
1: No, 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 you keep your estate.
2: But don't you understand, I want to help. My husband's devoted everything he had to me. I consider it a privilege to be able to help him now.
1: My dear, I don't even know what to
4: say to you. Please
2: take it, Mr. Hanna.
4: Well, we'll take it if we need it. But we may not need it. Our plan, Mr. President, is to have a group of trustees who will take over this debt and raise the funds.
1: That isn't right. It's my debt and I must meet it.
4: It isn't really your debt. It's Walker's debt. You weren't involved in his business. You simply helped him out by endorsing his note. But that's all beside the point, anyhow. This obligation will be met. There are lots of us who can help with that, who could never fill your place in the White House.
1: Mark, your faith in me is one of the most touching and beautiful things that has ever happened to me, except for the faith and love of this lady here. You leave this matter in our hands, will you? I still want to pay it back, Mark. We'll talk
4: about that after you've completed your term in office. In the meantime, forget about this debt. It will be paid. Take my word for it. And you are not even going to know the names of the men that pay it. The only thing we ask in return is that you keep on towards the White House.
2: Mark, I think you must be the best friend anyone in the world ever had.
4: Oh, what are you talking about? I'm just a good politician. Mark, I must tell you that I Is there anything to eat in this house? I'm starved.
2: Of course there is. Come on, it won't take a minute to put another plate on.
1: You know, I think I could eat something, too. I'm hungry for the first time in days. I'm really hungry.
4: Well, come on, then. What are we waiting for? Let's put some food inside the candidate. He has to store up a lot of energy. He has a hard campaign coming up. You haven't even let me thank you, have you, Mark? I don't want thanks from you. The ones I really expect thanks from are the people of the United States. I'm doing this for them.
1: I hope I can live up to all you think of me. You can't miss. You can't miss, Mr. President. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold
0: and Mr. President. Here's a word that millions of people in Europe fear. A word as destructive and deadly as a weapon. It is hunger. Many millions knew it during the war and know it still. One of the best ways we can help is by sending food parcels through CARE. CARE sends food and clothing packages which provide more per dollar than individuals can supply any other way. For instance, one food package costing $10 contains 24 and a half pounds of food. CARE guarantees delivery of this food package to any individual or group in 11 countries in Europe and in Israel and Japan. So if you want to send a food package overseas, just mail $10 to CARE. Give your name and address and the name and address of the person the package is going to. Help care for them through CARE. Remember, you can send more for less through CARE. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. (laughs)
1: have you guessed who the presidential candidate was when all this happened. It really did happen, so listen closely. The days were days of national crises. In the midst of great arguments about the gold standard and free silver, the stock market collapsed. And hundreds of banks and trust companies were forced to close their doors. The party in power lost control in the congressional elections and Mark Hanna felt that the hour was drawing close for his candidate.
4: Governor, I've made a decision. What's that, Mark? I've put 28 years of my life into my business. It meant a lot to me.
1: But I'm going to turn it over to my brother.
4: I want to devote all my energies now to getting you the Republican nomination.
1: Mark, I don't want you to make any sacrifice like that. Say no
4: more about it. It's already done. Now, here's our first move. I've got to go to New York and talk to party bosses. We need them behind us. And I've got to find you a campaign manager. Can't you be my campaign manager? No, 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 no.
1: I want someone better.
4: I haven't had enough experience in politics outside the state. I want someone with experience in politics on a national scale.
1: Running for president involves a lot of things, doesn't it? Even winning the
4: nomination involves a lot of things. That's our first hurdle. We've got to win the nomination. Tell me,
1: what will it take to get the bosses you refer to in New York behind us?
4: Well, I've already sounded them out a bit. They each want patronage. One wants the patronage of New York, another of Pennsylvania. It's not beyond reason.
1: Mark, I just can't do that. You can't do that? No. This is not an unusual request, you know. No, perhaps not. But it's too high a price for me to pay. If I accepted the nomination on those terms, it would be worth nothing to me and less to the people. If I have to barter like that, I'd rather put aside any idea of being president. Don't misunderstand me, please. I know that what you're talking is good politics, but Mark, I... Personally, can't play good politics and emerge a good president. All right. We'll do it your way. Are you just humoring me, or
4: do you think I'm right? I think you're right. You may lose the nomination by this.
1: You may lose the election. But at least you won't feel that you've lost your integrity. Mark, would you be my campaign manager? I've been thinking about what you said before, but you and I have gone this far together. Let's stick it out together. All right. If that's the way you want it. That is the way I want it. Then that's the way it will be. All right, then. Let's go.
3: Well, this is certainly an exciting day here in Canton.
2: Yes, it is indeed.
3: Where's the governor now?
2: Oh, he's around the house someplace. It's pretty hard for him to sit still. He's mentally visualizing every moment of that convention. I
3: always said that boy would amount to something. Mark my words, that boy will amount to something someday, I say. They're getting ready for the roll
2: call. Have you got your scorecard ready, Mr. Harris? Yes, I have it ready. What's silly, I suppose, having the scorecards, but I thought it'd be fun to have them. That man sitting up at the head of the stairs is listening to the convention hall by direct wire. Mm.
1: Uh, did you hear the, opera say, the operator say that they were ready for the for the roll call? Yes,
2: dear. Here, your score card. Oh,
1: no, you keep score for me. I, I couldn't hold a pencil at this point. I talked to Mark an hour or so ago, and he said that things look promising, but of course you never can be sure. They're starting. Uh,
3: I don't think I'll ever survive this They've day. called Alabama. 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 Yes, Alabama. Alabama cast. Ooh. 19 votes for you, Governor. Two, two, three. One more. Well, oh, well. Arkansas. Arkansas casts all her 16 votes for you, Governor. Gold, Arkansas. California. California. California casts her 18 votes for you, Governor. Oh, I
2: always did like that state.
3: Connecticut. Connecticut casts seven votes for you, Governor. Five votes for Reed. Yes, yes, Reed is very strong in
1: Connecticut. strong. Delaware.
3: Delaware casts her entire six votes for you, Governor. Fine state, Delaware, fine. Florida. Florida casts. Six votes for the Governor. Two votes for Martin.
2: California has a much better climate.
1: Now, (laughs) the idea, you know, six votes means a lot.
3: Georgia. Georgia casts. Twenty-two votes for the Governor. Two votes for Reed. They're calling Idaho. Idaho has left the convention. What? Illinois. Illinois is a big vote. Illinois casts forty six votes
1: for
3: the governor. Oh. Two votes <laughs> for oh, that's wonderful. <laughs>
2: I know Mark was worried about Illinois.
1: Mm, we can thank Charles Dawes for that.
3: Indiana. Indiana casts her thirty votes for the governor. Uh, Iowa. Iowa casts twenty six votes for Allison. <laughs>
1: My friends, my friends, thank you. You will understand, I am sure, why I am unable to say very much. Moments like this are rare in a man's lifetime. I thank the convention for the faith they have shown in me, and with the help of God, I shall do my best to justify it.
2: Yes, thank you, Mark.
4: The president is talking to some of the nation's biggest business interests out there on the lawn. Hmm? He'll be in in a few moments.
2: You've certainly made an open house of your lovely summer home, Mark.
4: You can win a lot of votes in a place like this where people can relax. You would be surprised how many of those men out there have been solid Democrats and are going to vote Republican.
3: How did
2: you manage that?
4: Well, luck has helped a little. One big wing of the Democratic Party has adopted a pretty radical platform that is something of a threat to big business. This has given me the opportunity to step in and say, Look, boys, our candidate is in your corner. And he is. We're getting a lot of money for this campaign from the business interests of the country.
1: What's going on between you two? Every time I come in a room, I see your heads together.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm
1: beginning to get very, very suspicious.
2: I don't blame <laughs> you. Mark's a very attractive man. I
1: know, that's what worries me. He's also
4: smart. Incidentally, don't make any plans about leaving Canton when you go back there next week. Why? Because I'm going to have train loads of voters brought to your front lawn. What for? So you can talk to them on your own front porch about your policies. You said I wore you out during your last campaign. This time, I'm not making you stump the nation. I'm bringing the nation
1: to you. (laughs) Oh, you're fabulous, Mark. Absolutely fabulous. Election
4: Day (laughs) is coming up, Governor. Election Day is coming up.
2: How much longer do you suppose it'll be before we know?
1: I'm sure Mark will come the moment he has any word.
2: I'm sure I don't know how any presidential candidate or his wife lives through Election Day. I think this day's already been 2,400 hours long.
1: If, if I'm not elected, you mustn't be disappointed.
2: Oh, I won't be, my dear, not a bit. It, 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 it's the waiting I mind. Once I know, I won't mind whatever it is. And I hope you won't.
1: I won't. To have won you is quite enough to ask of the Almighty without asking for the presidency, too.
2: Uh, Just a moment.
1: Oh, Mark, congratulations, Mr. President.
2: Oh, Mark.
1: Mark, I thank God, and I thank you. Well, while
4: you're at, it, thank the voters, too. A good many of them are on their way here.
1: Truly, my cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. It all
0: started back in 1947. Six beautiful, talented girls, all ex-GIs, got together to play music. They performed, people liked them, and so their organization grew and grew. Until now, there are 65 beautiful ladies combined to make one of the most striking musical groups in radio. Music with the Girls has become one of ABC's Sunday headline attractions, a listening favorite. Whether you'd like to dance or just relax and listen, don't miss Music with the Girls. We wish you could see them. They're good to look at. But you can hear them every Sunday on these ABC stations. So don't miss your favorite music and songs on Music with the Girls today. You'll have a wonderful time. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. (laughs)
1: Dear Mark, it has been my dearest wish ever since I was elected to the presidency to have you accept a place in my cabinet. You have stated to me that you could under no circumstances accept a cabinet place. You know how deeply I regret this determination and how highly I appreciate your devotion to me. I want to express in this formal manner that all may read my deep regret that you cannot see your way clear to accept the post with cordial regards to Mrs. Hannon and the children, in which my wife Hartley joins, I am yours sincerely, William McKinley. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened to Mr. President Washington a few years ago. Until then, goodbye.
4: The program is produced and directed by Dick Willen. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM
1: picture, Annie, Get Your Gun. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President William McKinley.
0: Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting
4: Company.